Hey, AJ Jones. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? You look like you're fresh back from the Smoky Mountains. I am fresh back from the Smoky Mountains. We went away on a romantic camping trip because I love the outdoors. That is not true. We went away for the SOSL Leaders Retreat. We did. We don't call it a retreat, though, because we aren't retreating from anything. Right. Well, we do call it a retreat, though. We, <laughs> we call it a training. A training. Yeah, we took Training our, weekend. Yeah. We took our future small group leaders away for a weekend of fun-filled adventure in the middle of nowhere. Yes. So it wasn't really the middle of nowhere. Well, it kind of is. There was bears and stuff. There was. There was bears right outside of our cabin, apparently, according to a video. Yep. And then we drove out of the little neighborhood today and saw four bears, a mama bear and three bears just walking on the side of the road. Was Goldilocks anywhere to be seen? Uh, they ate her already. <laughs> Well, that's not how the story goes, is it? <laughs> it was a fun weekend. I love getting to do those weekends. Yeah, they're really good. I love getting to take people who are about to be released into our culture as leaders and uh, just get to spend time with them and then getting to know the people who are going to be on our team. We love it. In, in one sense, we've had a, a year-long interview process with them because they've been students. Yeah. In some cases, two years. Some of our small group leaders are, yeah. are, are two-year students. So it's fun getting away with them. Yeah. It's fun because you already know that you really like them. But it's it's just fun to get to know them so much better, which you can't do unless you're spending exactly. you know, serious amounts of time doing yeah, it. Yeah, there's so. no shortcut to it. It's just lock yourself in a cabin with 19 other people. And then in addition to that, we went tubing down a river and we just floated on a river for a couple hours. So that's exciting. Well, exciting wouldn't be the word I'd use. I know, but four minutes in, you're like, Ugh, how much longer? <laughs> that's not true. It was maybe five minutes in, but it, <laughs> I find it very enjoyable. Believe it or not, I I do find it quite enjoyable. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're on a river in a tube, and it wasn't too hot. No, it was nice. And there was no bugs. It was really nice. But why is it just being outside doing nothing in the water makes you hungry? Seriously, and really tired. Everybody was exhausted when you get back and all we did was float down a river mm-hmm. on some on a tube. All right, let's talk about this week. Yes. I just wanted to mention that I went cliff jumping. I know it's not a big cliff, but it was still a cliff and therefore I went cliff jumping. You know what, darling? Extreme sports is your middle name. <laughs> That's right. I am AJ Extreme Jones. Okay, very good. Yeah. Can I come catch up on our week? Sure. Tell me about this week. Um, well you spoke at M and eight on the topic of feedback, which was awesome. So, but I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yes. Yeah. I thought about, I, I've, I've had such good feedback this week and actually I've been pondering it that I thought maybe we'll dig into it a little bit more deeper in this episode. So yes, I spoke in Emanate. We're going to talk about that probably for our main topic. Very cool. Was that a train that just went past our house? Yeah. I've never heard the train. Mm-hmm. There's the tracks that go bye bye the school. That's really stinking loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people can hear this. Is Santa Claus coming? <laughs> Does he ride a train? <laughs> well, wasn't that the Polar Express? Wasn't the whole movie about that? Well, I don't think Santa Claus was on that train. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Um, I have started uh, refinishing the cabinets in our bathroom. And it's kind of a beta test for whether or not you're going to refinish the kitchen cabinets. Yes. Or what method that I'll use to refinish. You've just decided it's happening one way or another. It's got to happen. (laughs) It has to happen. But there's like a million cabinets in the kitchen. I know. And there's only four in the bathroom. I know. And it's taking forever just to do the four. But it's also taking forever because I started on Tuesday and we went out of town on Thursday. And now it's Sunday and we just got home. So your forever is six days (laughs) and four of those days I wasn't here for. 
So, you know, for a little bit of perspective, it actually okay. has only been two days. <laughs> Good point. Well made. And dang, you can do math in your head yes, fast. Yes, I really can. <laughs> so, yes, you have, God bless, you've been uh, trying to whip our bathroom cabinets into the century. Yes, I would like to do that. I love watching how creative you are. Thank you. I think it's amazing. Thank you. I also fed our fruit trees. You did? Uh-huh. I got fertilizer things, spike things. I'm sorry. Are you trying to muscle in on my territory? No, I'm not. No. I just knew that I had bought them. I don't think you knew that I had bought them. And you were busy changing out a light socket, which was brilliantly done. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm thinking about it. It just rained. The ground is soft. I'm going to go stick in these fertilizer things. Let's talk about my new foray into the jungle. Yeah. Uh, You should call me Tarzan from now on. I'm so at one with nature. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Tarzan, you've done a wonderful job. <laughs> I, I really haven't. So here's what's happened. We we bought a new house, which you probably know about. And with the house came a garden. Now, in America, a garden is somewhere where you grow... Vegetables. Vegetables and herbs. Yeah. In the UK where I grew up, your garden is what Americans would call your lawn mm-hmm. or your landscaping. Mm-hmm. So in our back garden... Uh, we have a big grassy lawn and then we have all these flower beds and then we have trees and bushes and I don't know what any of them are. And so you've heard me talking about how it's an, uh, a bit perplexing for me. But I, I read, because we're reading Proverbs this month, I read this passage in Proverbs uh, on the 24th and it says this, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense, and I saw it was overgrown with nettles and it was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. And I thought, <laughs> dear oh Lord, dear. <laughs> it's talking about me. So I ventured out into the garden. The trouble is your mother-in-law was staying here. That's not the trouble. Your mother-in-law was staying here. Actually, it's your mother-in-law. It's my mother. Oh yeah, your mother. Yeah. My mother-in-law was staying here and she put the fear of God into me by saying, you cannot trim the bushes or you're going to destroy them. And they're really nice bushes. And so she knows more than I do. So I just panicked and said I shouldn't do anything. And, but then our friend Bill stopped by and I said, hey, do you know what kind of trees or bushes those are? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. And I was like, of of course you do. And I didn't realize he was into landscaping. So he took me on a tour around the garden (laughs) where he just said, this is that and this is that. And I was like, how do you spell that? And so I wrote down all these phonetic spellings so I could look at Wikipedia to work out what they were and when you could trim them. And then I realized I have no tools to trim them. So Bill said, well, I'll just drop off a hedge trimmer. And I was like, oh, great. So he came around and he showed me how to turn the hedge trimmer on and he trimmed a couple of the bushes and then said, ah, you know, borrow it for a couple of days and have a go. And I was like, how, how difficult can it be? And then I realized you need a whole new skill set because the thing is really long, it's really heavy, and it vibrates terribly. So after using it for about 15 <laughs> minutes to try and cut my the overgrown hedges back, I'm holding this thing above my head, trying to balance it, trying to cut it. I came inside because it was scorching hot. And I realized my arms no longer worked. <laughs> and then that night I fed you tortilla soup in a bowl like that you hold. It's like a massive cup and you, you couldn't lift up your no, soup, poor baby. I, I couldn't lift up the soup to my mouth. <laughs> and I was like, good Lord, my arms don't work. And that lasted for two days. And so then I'm learning to weed a yard. And I had this, I had this revelation. I thought, you know how you watch people of a certain age get into gardening? Yes. I think I've judged them because I'm like... Why are you into gardening? But I think most people don't get into gardening because they enjoy it. They get into gardening because of necessity. And then they start to enjoy it. 
Well, I'm not quite there yet. Although there is the inklings and the beginnings of that because See? I've been out weeding several times this week early in the morning because it gets so hot. And not because I'm into it, not because I'm waking up thinking, mm, I'd love to weed my garden, but I'm thinking if I don't, it turns into a jungle with the combination of the heat, the humidity and the rain. Yeah. It, it's quite like mushrooms appear in my you garden. You should see my basil plant right now. It's huge. I was looking at it thinking, I need to figure out something to do with about 48 pounds of basil. <laughs> right. But you see the rate that that grows at? Yeah. That's how the weeds grow. Yeah. So I've been out and I think I'm enjoying it. I just, I think I quite like the fact that nobody else is out there with me. So I'm on my own mm. and I don't, I can't take my technology with me because it all gets grubby. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm left to my own thoughts. Do you want to know something embarrassing? Sure. You know the little mats that old ladies have when they're gardening? Yes. They know what they're talking about. Yep. I bought one and it <gasps> saved my knees. I'll take a picture, folks, and post it to the internet for you. <laughs> it stops It stops your knees getting damp and cold. Well, that's good, isn't it? Anyway, I'm trying not to be the person in Proverbs who was lazy and had their yard overtaken by weeds and nettles. So I don't think we even grow nettles in Tennessee, so you're probably safe. I've, I'm not trying to grow anything, but there's mushrooms that are appearing. <laughs> and I have pulled out Point nettles, taken. actually. Hmm. Anyway, I'm a little overwhelmed by the extent of what I don't know, but I am learning thanks to friends and families and neighbors who are um, giving me incredible input and lending me their power tools. Yeah, we're really blessed to have the people around us that do know what they're doing to at least advise us. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> So we're going to talk today about uh, the whole topic you were talking about on Monday night, which was uh, feedback and receiving feedback. Right. Because receiving feedback sounds something like a really good thing to do. Yes. But it's really difficult to do. It's really difficult to do, but it seems fairly important. And it is one of the major themes in reading through Proverbs. Right. So we've been reading through Proverbs this month, doing our hashtag wisdom 31, the idea that you read whatever day it is, you read that chapter. And so when you read a book of the Bible, you begin to see the themes. So like one of the themes is get wisdom. Wisdom is amazing. You absolutely want wisdom. Yeah. Um, I, when we were, you know, talking about this earlier and just talking about speaking on wisdom and the importance of getting wisdom, I was remembering, um, the whole story of when Solomon takes over, uh, takes over his dad's kingdom. And the thing that he asked for in second Chronicles uh, one is actually wisdom. So if you go down to verse seven, it says that night God appeared to Solomon and God said, what do you want from me? Just ask. And Solomon answered, you were extravagantly generous with David, my father. And now you have made me King in his place. Establish God. The words you spoke to my father, for you've given me a staggering task ruling this mob of people. Yes, give me wisdom and knowledge as I come and go among the people, for who on his own is capable of leading these, your glorious people? And God answered Solomon, This is what has come out of your heart. You didn't grasp for money, wealth, fame, and the doom of your enemies. You didn't even ask for a long life. You asked for wisdom and knowledge so you could govern well my people. 
over whom I have made you king. Because of this, you get what you asked for, wisdom and knowledge, and I'm presenting you the rest as a bonus, money, wealth, and fame beyond anything the kings before you or after ever have had or will have. And it just made me think about, you know, it it made God's heart happy that Solomon asked for wisdom and he was, you know, the wisest man alive. Um, and it, and it served him well. I mean, he definitely went off the rails a little while later, but you know, his wisdom served him well. Right. That's the thing I've been thinking about is the, the way the Lord implores us to get wisdom. You know, when you read through Proverbs, it's the recurring theme, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. And I think I've been sad to realize that for most of my life, I've actually wanted my own way rather than I've wanted wisdom. Right. But when you get wisdom, you get all these other amazing things. Like the the book of Proverbs says that when you get wisdom, you get joy. When you get wisdom, you get long life. When you get wisdom, you get friends. When you get wisdom, you get wealth. And so I've just been renewing this request in my heart, like, Lord, I want wisdom above everything else. I want wisdom. Give me wisdom. Grant me wisdom. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, is that if you want wisdom, Scripture says you can get wisdom really, really easily. You just ask him for it. But the way wisdom comes is through listening. Yeah. The trouble with that is we think we like listening. As a general rule, we all think we're good listeners. Right. But the kind of listening the Bible is talking about is not the, hmm, let me listen objectively and selectively and decide what I'm going to go away with. Right. Typically, Proverbs, when it's talking about listening, it's talking about being corrected right? because you don't know what you're doing. right? And so suddenly, uh, we say that we like listening, but do we like being corrected? No, we don't. I don't. No, I don't think anybody does. It's listening that requires action, isn't it? And it'd be, Ooh. we'd sort of like it to just be listening that would fix something without us doing, making any effort. So correction is listening that requires action. Yeah. How about this? Proverbs 15, verse 5, nice gentle verse. It says, only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Yeah. The trouble is when people come and correct you, they're doing so because you're already wrong and none of us like to be wrong. Right. So rather than appreciating that they're trying to help us out of something, I think usually our first gut reaction is to prove that they're wrong. Right. Or maybe it's a defense mechanism. You know, maybe it's just like a, uh, I don't know if you're safe. I'm not going to receive your correction. I think you can do that if it's maybe one person who really isn't interested in your life and you know that it's just, this is the way that they do things. Right. But often what will happen is if the Lord is actually trying to bring correction, you'll start getting the same message from a number of different places, won't you? Yeah. And then what you think is, man, all these people are so wrong. Right. Rather than realize, oh, wait, I'm the common denominator in this particular equation. Exactly. How about in Proverbs 12, where it says it's stupid to hate correction? Yeah, those are strong words. They really are. But the trouble is, we read them when we're not under correction and think, yeah, what's with all these stupid people not receiving (laughs) correction? But when we are faced with correction or when we are faced with feedback, we're the ones that are, at least in my life, I'm like, Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, You know, I think that's probably you. Yeah. So why why is correction so hard to receive? Um, I think probably because we confuse our actions with our identity. So being corrected doesn't feel very good because we feel like we're being challenged about ourselves rather than our behavior. 
So it feels like it's, well, you're saying a deep thing about me rather than, hey, can I tell you how I'm experiencing you? And that's funny because actually other people are the experts at how they're experiencing us. Right. Not us. Right. We're only experts at what we think we're behaving like. Right. But it's other people who are the experts in experiencing our behaving. Yes. Did I just confuse everybody? No, that's fine. I think I think that makes sense. I remember when I was a school teacher, I'd have my students write report cards on me and it was simultaneously the best thing and the worst thing because the first year I did it, I had in my head, like, I'm a great teacher. I'm an awesome teacher. All my kids love me. I'm funny. I'm great. I'm well prepared. And the only thing that was right about that was you are well prepared. Like universally, they said, you are not funny. Please stop making jokes. And when I dug deeper into that, what I realized is all of my jokes, which I thought were hysterical, were actually at the expense of other students. And what that made them feel was unsafe. Like, oh, if we're all laughing at Bob, one day... Tomorrow we're all going to be laughing at at me. me. Right. And so I... It was only when I read the universal consensus was, please don't make jokes that I realized, oh, I don't get to decide if I'm funny or not. They get to decide if I'm funny or not. And that that's just such a hard message to, I mean, not that you're not funny. I just mean, hearing from an outside source how other people are experiencing you is a really humbling thing. Yeah. I think too, though, like just viewing it from the perspective of leadership, the times where we've had to correct somebody and they've taken it really well, um, I think, I mean, I, I don't know if it's weird to say it this way, but I, I just go, wow. Like I, I get really impressed with people that can take correction and do something with it without getting personally offended. Do you know what right. I mean? Like go, oh gosh, well, that's not what I, that's not what I was trying to do or that wasn't my heart motivation. That wasn't, that's not the experience I wanted you to have. So let me correct that. Like, let me go away and, and, and sort that out. And that whole thing of teachability Teachability means you can take correction. And, and teachability isn't that you will just survive a good talking to, but actually you'll change according to the correction that you've received. Mm-hmm. And scripture says when you do that, you actually learn wisdom. That requires a whole load of trust that the person who's telling you this feedback knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, you've probably heard lots of people say at different times that you learn more from your mistakes than you do from getting it right. And I think that that's true. You know, getting it right, you don't usually retain that, but you remember when you've gotten it wrong and, and how it needed to be fixed. Whether we like it or not, the thing is all the way through scripture, that request is repeated yeah. over and over again. Yep. Like Proverbs 15 verse 32 says, if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Mm-hmm. When I was speaking on Monday night, I came up with five reasons why we find it hard to receive correction. Yeah. Or like five common reactions that keep us from hearing what people are trying to say. Yeah. I'm going to recap them for our listeners. All right, go for it. Well, number one is we think we've heard it before. What does that mean? Well, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I already know that I'm X, Y, or Z. And we can dismiss it because... Yeah, I've already heard it before and I've, I'm have i sure I've changed. <laughs> or you've absorbed that as being okay as part of your personality. Oh dear. Is that where we're going to go? But it's I don't mean true. you, I mean me, whoever, yeah. you know what I mean? Like sometimes somebody says, you know, hey, you're just, you're really blunt or you're really whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's my personality. Right. But actually I don't want people to experience bluntness from me. I want them to experience the love of God. Right. So. But that's the thing. We... We think that we've heard it before and we think we're listening, 
But if we're needing to hear it again, it's because we didn't actually hear it before. Yeah. That, that's a trouble. Yeah. Number two is we think the people who are giving us the feedback are just idiots, that they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. That they're, oh, it's their issue. It's your unique perspective. But again, usually what ends up happening is you start hearing that unique perspective from a number of different people and you realize it's not a unique perspective. It is many people's perspective. Well, I think it's, you know, when when people come and give you correction, they're the kind messenger. I remember my good friends, Glenn and Anna, who we just spent vacation with in, in summer. I remember a number of years ago, they tried their best to confront me and they sat me down. They're like, Al, here are some things we see in your life. And I did the good Christian response of like, oh, oh, well, thanks so much for sharing that with me. I'm going to go pray about it. I went away and prayed about it and swiftly concluded that they were wrong and <laughs> went on my merry way. Like they were just too sensitive or, you know, whatever. And then I started working for somebody who was a combination of Adolf Hitler and Darth Vader. Oh, nice. And Did he talk like this? No, because he wasn't an asthmatic bird. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Why are you saying car? I don't know, because I can't make that sound effect. <laughs> okay. Sorry, go on. Darth well, Vader. He, yeah. he was just uh, a nightmare to work for. And very quickly I realized, oh, God's put me in a situation where I have a mirror in front of me. And actually all the things that Glenn and Anna were trying to bring up in me are evident in my boss. And now now I have a fuller view of how I'm being experienced. Like the very things I hated oh, about working for this man, I realized <laughs> these are the very things that my friends are trying to point out to me that I didn't listen to the kind messenger and now I'm enduring the hard messenger. And I mean, uh, here's the kindness of God. He's so intent on us becoming what he paid for that he would love to work with us to become fashioned in the likeness of Christ. And... And he, and you'll see you'll see to it that it happens, but he would really love it if we would work with him, mm. not in opposition to him. Mm-hmm. And you see that time and time again all through Scripture. You see it with the people of Israel that he was like, "Oh, I would love to take you to the promised land." Oh, wait, you're full of unbelief, so you're going to wander around the desert, and then I'm going to work with the next generation. So I, I feel like that with the Lord, that He constantly extends arms of kindness to you, and. If we're not ready, he's like, oh, that's, that's totally fine. I'll just be here waiting for you when you're ready. And yeah, and then we reap some of the consequences of our poor decisions. Yeah. But yeah, if I think back to what you said, babe, that if everybody's giving you the same feedback, not everybody can be wrong. Right. I remember at one point, um, and this is probably in a season where I was getting a lot of correction, but I remember just making a commitment to the Lord that each quiet time I would bring any confronted issues to him and just be like, okay, Lord, this person confronted me about that. Now I don't see it, you know, or sometimes I did see it, but most times I didn't. And I would be like, I don't see it, but would you talk to me about that? And I think every single time the Lord had something to say about it. And I was like, oh, it's, it's there. It might not be the motivation. The motivation might not be the same as what that person thought it was, but what they're experiencing, it's true. I was doing that. So, I mean, it's it's just wise, I think, to just be able to receive whatever it is that people want to bring to you and, and just take it to God and ask Him, you know, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? What about this dynamic? This was number three, where we actually don't like the packaging. We dismiss the feedback because we don't like the packaging. 
Right. And by packaging, I mean, we don't like the person who gives us the feedback. Right. Or we don't like the way in which that feedback was given. Right. That's the easiest. I would say that's what happens most often when we throw it out. It's just we're like, oh, that person doesn't know me or that person doesn't love me or we have issues already with that person because they're our parents or whatever the deal is. And so we don't ask for the truth in the midst of it. And and in not doing that, we miss out on the wisdom that the Lord's trying to bring us. What about when that person's your spouse? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I we never have any of these kind of... Um, you know, moments, do we, darling? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it was just a couple of months ago that we were having a somewhat heated discussion. Yes, heated fellowship. Uh, well, in uh, intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. And yeah. you were trying to communicate to me, and I was sure that you were wrong. So I was just talking over you to convince you that I was right. And apparently you, you didn't appreciate that. I didn't. And so you were escalating. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit says to me, he said, Alan. And I said, yeah. And the Lord said to me, she's the only other eyewitness in the room. Yeah. Like in a, in a police statement, they'd go around and they'd take the eyewitness report and get some corroborating data. Right. And the Lord was like, you keep giving your report. Why don't you actually listen to her report and see what's there, what's present, what's consistent? Right. And I, I think that was like a big wake-up call because I was like, here's my wife who, out of everybody I know, is a person that wants me to succeed so why am I slow to receive what she's trying to tell me? Yeah, I remember you. I remember this, the whole thing, just because I was shocked by just like mid conversation, mid argument, mid heated discussion. Right. You just stopped and went, okay, you know, tell me how you're experiencing me and whatever. And I thought, this is a trick. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so I was cautious. And I even asked you, I think, why, why, why are you... Why are you asking all of a sudden? And you were like, well, the Lord just spoke to me and said, hey, she's the only other eyewitness. So it's, it's, it's alarming when you think like that. Yeah. Like our pastor, Jeff, says this. He says, what would it look like if you were wrong? Yeah. Like consider for a moment, what would it look like if you were wrong? Would it look like your spouse is trying to give you feedback? Is, would it look like your boss is trying to give you feedback? Are your friends distancing themselves from you because they're tired of you lawyering up every time they come and try and give you feedback. And when you look at it in that perspective of like, huh, what would it look like if I was wrong? <laughs> Suddenly the landscape changes a little bit. You're like, oh, it might look like this moment right here. <laughs> you, you tweeted out something this week, uh, I think a couple of days ago, which brings in number four, the, the fourth reason that we perhaps aren't very good at receiving feedback. And that's because we don't trust other people's reports. Yeah. We don't trust why they're telling us that. What was the thing that you tweeted out? Um, I think what I tweeted out was the the Bill Johnson quote where he says, we are at our dumbest when we think we know the motivations of another person's heart. Right. And I think most often we do think that. We think we know the motivation. And so if they're trying to, for example, bring us correction, we write it off because we think we underst- we know the motivation of their heart. Again, instead of uh, being able to receive feedback we just think, well, you know, you're you're saying that because of this or like because of something that's going on in their own heart or their own life or you're just triggering or so we write it off to being something about them instead of something about us. Right. Yeah. Or we think they're they're just mean or controlling or especially if it's an authority figure. Right. Like it's amazing how we can come up with all the reasons why our authority figures are wrong <laughs> when they're trying to do the very thing that God's asked them to do. Yeah. Which is watch over us and 
as people who are going to give an account. Yeah. The, the thing, Danny Silk does this brilliant teaching on honor, and he said, you know, a culture of honor can only exist in a healthy culture of confrontation because it's not actually honoring if I just go around telling you you're amazing but never tell you about the things that are keeping you from being more amazing. Right. All right, the last one, number five, was the bit that I felt like the Lord, I felt like I had brand new perspective when he showed me that I do this. And this is this is probably the biggest reason I think that I'm not good at receiving correction from people, is we confuse the message we are hearing with the one being given. Right. So when you come to me and you say, hey, Alan... I feel like this when you do or say this. What you are telling me is, hey, I've experienced you in this way. Yes. And because you love me, you want to know that. Right? I'm experiencing you in a way that I know is contrary to your heart. Right. But what I hear is, you're a bad person and this is what you've done wrong and I'm questioning your motives. Right. But that's not, you're just, you're, you're giving me feedback on my behavior, not on my motives. Right. But we instinctively rush to say, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Because that was never my intent. That was never my motives. Right. Not right. realizing there's a disconnect between our motives and our actions. Right. Yeah. You're back to, to kind of where we started at the beginning, right? With thinking that correction is talking about you as a person rather than your actions. That whole thing of the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom it's basically saying, Lord, I actually trust your perspective of things even when I don't understand your perspective of things. That's the beginning of wisdom. I think paralleled with that, if you think about what's required to take correction honestly, is me willing to trust your report of me even if it differs from my report of me. Right. Like I think that's there's a parallel there. Um, Proverbs 29 verse 1 says, whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. There's a cheery nice. verse for your Hallmark And card. good night. Yeah. <laughs> but the opposite of that is Proverbs 25, 12 says, to one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. So good. So if we want to be wise, we have to get good at listening. Yep. And if we're going to get good at listening, it means we have to actually accept feedback. And if we're going to have to accept feedback, we have to understand that sometimes it sounds like criticism. Yeah, And if we're going to accept that, we can't be quick to dismiss or judge people's motives, but we actually honestly and earnestly want to listen. Yeah. It, it might be wise to, like, if somebody gives you uh, a piece of, of criticism or a, a piece of correction and you're not sure about it, go to other people that experience you on a regular basis and just say, hey, could you talk to me about your experience of me? Seek out feedback. Um, and see if stuff's lining up, you know, but you'd have to give them the freedom to be able to say exactly what they need to say and not feel like they have to sugarcoat it. Well, that's the thing that I've been thinking is what avenues have we given to the loved ones in our lives to give us honest feedback? Right. Have we created opportunities and avenues for our loved ones? Have we taught them that, hey, your feedback is I'm... I'm going to create a safe place for your feedback. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be a scary person to confront. Yeah. Because if we haven't, we could be stunting our growth and wisdom. Yeah. And wisdom leads to all these awesome things. So anyway, that's stuff that I've been, I know I spoke on it on Monday, but it was a message to me and I've been pondering it all mm. week. I've just been ruminating on it. So I hope that's an encouragement to you today. 
Yeah, it's really good. All right, you ready for a listener's question? I am. All right, this is from Johnny. Mm -hmm. Johnny asks, I'm a very passionate, determined, and driven person. You know, the kind who will stop at nothing to accomplish a goal. I have a two-pronged query. Number one, how does someone like me allow themselves to rest with God and appreciate what they've accomplished before moving to the next step in the growth process? And number two, do you have any tips for remembering that God's schedule is the important one, not mine? That my life is moving according to God's time, however driven or impatient I may be. Thanks, and I love you both. The tour is much easier with the podcast keeping me grounded. (laughs) Johnny, so good to hear your question. And uh, I guess just in thinking about rest and how important it is, it doesn't come naturally to most people. Right. Um, I've had to learn to rest, and I have seasons where I'm still not very good at resting Um, And the Lord will often call me up short on that. But so rest doesn't come easy. It's something you learn. It's something that you have to work at. You know, Johnny, you describe yourself as somebody who's passionate and determined and the kind of person who will stop at nothing to accomplish a goal. If that's you, where, where do you think you got it from? Because God is more passionate, more determined and more at stopping at nothing till his goal is accomplished than any of us. And yet we read in scripture that he stopped, he rested and he looked back on the work that he'd been doing. Like in the creation account, he created the world in six days. And on the seventh day, he could have kept going, but he was like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to review. I'm going to evaluate. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I mean, and then he made that day holy, a day of rest holy. Right. So I think it's particularly in uh, North American culture, we're not particularly good at valuing rest. Um, I, I guess when I ponder that, I think about most other countries in the world other than Canada and the U S have way more vacation set aside, way more value on rest and relaxing and that kind of stuff. Southern part of Europe has uh, siestas for goodness sake. Right. Everybody goes home for a little nap in the afternoon, even if you're a lawyer. Um, yeah. I mean, and then you think about again, Europe with their, the average person gets six weeks of vacation and then it just goes up from there, you know? So And then there's us, you get a week when you first start, if you're lucky, you know, so it's like, okay, there's something a little bit askew in our culture where we're so, um, we're so good at striving that rest feels foreign or it feels wrong, but it isn't wrong and it isn't foreign because you're created in God's image and he could rest so you can rest too. Also speaking from experience, I found that if you don't learn this valuable lesson of resting from life life will ensure you rest at some point, And sadly, that's called burnout. So it's better to schedule rest. Yeah, or sickness. Or, yeah, yeah. Than be forced to rest. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a discipline. It's a skill. It's like anything else. You, you learn to do it. You schedule and you make time to do it. What about a second question, babe? Um, your second question was the one about having any tips of remembering um, that God's schedule is the important one and not your own. Um. I think God gives you constant reminders on that. Right. I mean, he will try and peek into your day as often as you will let him and as often as you will listen. Um, I definitely think reading your Bible will help as well, keep you centered and keep you uh, focused on God's timeline. But I, I mean, it, it is hard to wait. It really is. It's really hard Which to wait. Which is why it says in the Psalms, wait patiently. Yeah. I mean, if it didn't add that word patiently, you could be forgiven for saying, I've waited, nothing's happening. <laughs> but, but seriously, God is is uh, Pastor Jeff says this, that 
delay is one of God's most effective tools in his toolbox for producing character. Yeah. So he's a he's good at reminding us we're on his schedule by making things take longer than we would wish them to be. And you're like, yeah. oh, oh yeah, you're still in control. You're, you're doing something there. Yeah. And of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But when I think back on like the times when I was like, I'm ready, put me in coach, you know, this is taking too long. God, what's up? I'm so glad now looking back that he didn't put me in when I thought I was ready because I so wasn't ready. But you always think you are in the moment. True. Yeah. All right. Well, Johnny, thanks for writing in. If you would like us to answer a question on air, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. Fill in a question. We'll do our best to answer it on air. If you want the show notes for this week, visit alanandaj.com slash 117. We'll be back next week. Meanwhile, have an incredible week. Have an awesome week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.